great Halloween. My, that's Halloween right. coming Halloween-y. up next week. That's right. All right. Thanks for listening. And say it, Ollie. Come on. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. Ooh, it makes me wonder. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's just a spring. Yeah, that really makes me wonder. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's said If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I hate them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30 p.m., And today we've got excitement because Halloween's coming up and we need to talk about some scary, macabre, and just plain oddball things going on. But in the meantime, something kind of fun is happening tonight coming up at 7 o'clock at the Ann Arbor District Library. We're going to go right into that discussion here. I talked recently to Tim Grimes. He's in charge of community relations and marketing at the Ann Arbor District Library. So before we get into the scary stuff, let's start with some of this interesting stuff going on this evening. So, tell me all about Ann Arbor Cooks. What's that about? Well, Ann Arbor Cooks is a project that the library's been working on for quite a while. We're working on it with several different partners, the Washtenaw County Historical Society, the Culinary Historians of Ann Arbor, and Ann Arbor Hadassah. It's a partnership to create Ann Arbor Cooks, which is an online collection of digitized cookbooks published by Ann Arbor churches and organizations. You can search recipes, can search... um, uh, cookbook collections. There's cookbook uh, cooking magazines on the database. It's really going to be very neat. And that's going to be available tonight? Yes, it is. Uh, through our website, aadl.org. Uh, we're actually having an event at the library tonight at 7 o'clock featuring nationally known heirloom baking experts, Marilyn and Sheila Brass, authors of Heirloom Baking with the Brass Sisters. And what, what is heirloom baking? Heirloom baking is trying to get uh, ancient recipes, recipes that have been handed down. Some of the books aren't even published, but it's searching for old recipes that have been handed down from generation to generation and, you know, using them to bake delicious things. Mm-hmm. So some of them are going to be in old cookbooks and some of them are going to be collected from scraps of paper or something? Right. I, well, I talked to the Brass Sisters today and what they've done in their book, uh, Heirloom Breaking with baking with the brass sisters they even found recipes that were in drawers from servants that have that have uh, been on uh, with different people um but ann arbor cooks a lot of their collections have come were collected by the uh, washington county historical society they had the core collection of cookbooks from their archives 
at the museum on Main Street. And some of them are, I'm looking at uh, one here now from the First Congregational Church Cookbook uh, for Oatmeal Krispies from Mrs. Ray Steiner. There's mm. a Goodwill Cookbook. Uh, cookbook from Hadassah called Like Mama Used to Make for Puppy Seed Cookies. Um, St. Andrew's Tuesday Guild Favorite Recipes Volume 2 is another book that some of the recipes are taken from. So just collections that have been in archived in museums but have only been accessible to people visiting that museum on a particular day. Now they'll be online for everyone to share, even if you don't live in Ann Arbor. So we'll Will the pages themselves be scanned with the original type and such? Yes, I think so, and the uh, the original recipes will be there and be searchable by recipe and ingredients and many different uh, many different ways to search. And the poppy seed cookies sound really good, right? The now, poppy actually. seed cookies <laughs> are really good. Um, flour, baking powder, oil, sugar, three eggs, one half cup poppy seeds, juice of one large orange, and one teaspoon grated orange rind. Sounds like a lot of good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, what what sort of year year range are we talking about that's going to be available? Well, they've reached back in time to gather cookbooks from the late 19th century and 20th century, capturing capturing the taste and tempo of Ann Arbor throughout its history. So late 19th century. It's also uh, going to be modernized. It's going to be highlighting local growers, local food clubs, and classes, and special events that are going on for everyday cooks. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and so they also have a culinary history newsletter that's been published since 1987 by the culinary historians of Ann Arbor. That'll also be available online. And it, that contains uh, stories and research on cooking and eating around the world. So that's going to link uh, the old with the new. Yeah. And, and the contemporary and the future all at, on, at, all at once. Yes. So this has been quite an undertaking, it sounds like. It really has been. Our staff, as well as the partners, have been working on this for quite a quite a while. So, um, but I think it's going to be a really valued, uh, valued resource for aspiring cooks and people that just want to experiment and people who are interested in Ann Arbor history. Okay. And speaking of Ann Arbor history, do you get a sense of, well, I guess it would probably be hard to, to sum up, what did the folks in Ann Arbor like in a, around 1900? I mean, I guess you could probably browse and find out for yourself. I think if you browse, sure, you'll be able to see some of the interesting things that uh, some of the recipes, that, that actually were still uh, similar recipes today. Okay. My favorite one here, I'm looking at a recipe from Yellow and Blue Cookbook by Miss Gertrude Collins. It's a recipe entitled Molasses Cookies, the Kind Hungry School Boys Like. Oh, okay. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a recipe there just for some of the ingredients there? Well, or? this is the, the kind hungry schoolboys like. One cup molasses, one cup sugar, one cup shortening, three scant teaspoons baking soda, one teaspoon ginger, one teaspoon baking powder, one teaspoon cinnamon, dissolved in one cup sour milk. Add enough flour to make a medium soft dough. Cut and bake in good, moderately hot oven. When done, they will appear to be cracked on top. And that's the detailed instructions Excellent. that given for this particular recipe. <laughs> One scant teaspoon, I think, was one of the... Uh... Three scant teaspoons. What I like is cut and bake in a good, moderately hot oven. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there we go. So it's up to you to decide what's yes. good and what's good. What's, and what's moderate. And what's good. Yeah. <laughs> what's a good oven. Good. Well, this sounds like a lot of fun to yeah, peruse. Yeah, it is fun. So we advise everyone to check it out. AADL.org is the website. And if you want to attend this event tonight at 7 o'clock with the Brass Sisters, the Washtenaw County Historical Society is also going to be uh, providing refreshments, which are made from a lot of the recipes that you can find online. Oh, good. So if you want to taste some of these before you actually try to make them yourselves, just attend the event itself uh, at no charge. Just come to the library.
So that's at the Ann Arbor District Library yep. on... Fifth uh, and William. On Fifth and William. Yes. And starts at 7 o'clock tonight. Yes. Well, anything else you'd like to add? Any other no, thoughts? No, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, hope you hope you check it out. Well, Tim, thanks a lot. Thank you. Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, ah, who cares about other things? C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. Oh, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie starts with C. Oh, C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for Cookie, that's good enough for me. Oh, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie starts with C. Hey, you know what? A round cookie with one bite out of it looks like a C. A round donut with one bite out of it also looks like a C. But it is not as good as a cookie. Oh, the moon sometimes looks like a C, but you can't eat that. So, C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Yeah, C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, 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 start with C. Yeah, cookie, 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 start with C. Oh boy, cookie, 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 start with C. Yikes. Yeah, that's the cookie monster. Our good friend here on Pandora's Lunchbox, and that is his classic composition, C is for Cookie, a song that pretty much sums up uh, the human condition, as Arwolf would say. Arwolf was coming up at seven, but I mean, if uh, the Cookie Monster saw the human condition, he would probably eat it. This is Pandora's Lunchbox at 6.40, and uh, before we go a little further, we want to talk a little bit about the, the budget. We do cover political events here on Pandora's Lunchbox, and as you may know, the budget was... a the state went had a government shutdown on October 1st, and they, they'd sort of figured everything out, and they've sort of got it all sorted out by saying, well, we'll wait a month, and we'll figure it out later. And now they're coming up on another deadline. If things aren't resolved by Halloween, there may be another government shutdown. We have this excerpt from Governor Granholm's uh, State of the Union, State of the State address last week. You are a bold and courageous person, afraid of nothing. High on a hilltop near your home, there stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return. Well, that's just part of Governor Granholm's State of the State Address from last weekend, but we're going to hear more of that in just a moment. But first of all... I have a special guest in the studio. Ron, what's up? Good evening. How oh. are you this evening? Uh, I'm f- 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 fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was my Hitchcock, which wasn't very good. Okay. But I do love the governor. I think uh, being governor gets you that special reverb, which we all aspire to. That's right. I think she had to... Uh, uh, I don't know how you get the reverb from the, the first first husband. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what, what that means. Really. The reverbing first husband. Wow. The reverbing first husband. I've had a band named that at yeah, one point Yeah, they're playing life. the blind pig, aren't they, <laughs> for the next two weeks or something? Well, uh, recurringly. You know. Oh, yes, of course, reverberate. Anyway, this is Ron Fisher. He is uh, a senior Pandora analyst. <laughs> I didn't tell him Yes, that. I've made sure that Pandora has gone under analysis, and we found it wanting. 
Okay. <laughs> yes, it's, it, this show is, is often wanting, but today we want to talk about some Halloween-oriented things and some spooky things. And, well, we, we had some talk about Ann Arbor Cooks, the cool-looking website that is coming up, is going to be unveiled tonight. And those are some nice recipes, some good recipes, but sometimes people have made some bad recipes, haven't they? Well, yes. Not everything is flavorful, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things that they make, well, they actually kill you. Such well, as? Like the legendary bathtub gin, which people mm. used to make uh, rather than pay the state for alcohol taxes. Or, for example, um, you would drink it and either die or go blind. And oh. death was common. Uh, in addition, there's always the risk that the still uh, where you're making the bathtub gin would explode. And the uh, explosions tend not to be good for your health as well. Yeah, if you don't go blind, it may kill you or both. I mean... <laughs> Yes, yes, and that's what happened frequently. And you saw a movie with some kind of theme along those lines, didn't you? Yes, it's a pre-code movie from the early 30s with Barbara Stanwyck uh-huh. um, working in a bar for her father, and her father is making a still, and she wants to flee that dirty, awful, stinking town that she's working in, and she gets her chance when the still blows up dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have to make hay while the sun shines, as yeah. it were. And uh, Barbara Stanwyck uh, sleeps her way to the top in this movie before they had uh, regulations prohibiting such things. like In movies. Yeah. In movies, uh, such as sleeping her way to the top, illegal drug use, um, or having people of opposite genders share the same bed without one person having a foot on the floor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and was it the Hayes Code? Was that what it was called that changed all that? The Hayes Code, uh, which came in in 34 and kind of never was formally repealed, but just gradually drifted away. Mm. People kept doing more and more things. Uh, so appropriate to the season. It drifted away like a ghost. Like a ghost. Sorry, yes. go ahead. Um, Alfred Hitchcock uh, violated a lot of those taboos, which were never formally withdrawn. Uh, like, for example, showing a toilet. Oh, my God. They showed a toilet in a movie? Yes, uh, as long uh, as well as a brutal murder. But the toilet oh, was the but thing. I mean, the brutal murder, but the toilet. But of all the things in the script for Psycho, um, the Oedipal conflict, the murder, the rotting mother upstairs... The thing they objected to was his use of the word transvestite. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, they demand he take it out of the script, and Hitchcock did what he normally did, which is just kind of wait a while for crazy people to go away, and he left it in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's his code. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's why we love him so. Yes. Now, speaking of drinking uh, still liquor that can make you blind and things like that, uh, we were talking the other day, you and I, and we want to share this with the listeners about what happens when not just alcohol goes bad, but people go bad and drink lots of alcohol in, say, the 19th century. Oh, well, this caused no end of problems. I mean, uh, if you drank too much, people would wind up in a coma. So sometimes not being able to distinguish those in a coma from those who were dead... Uh, they would get buried. People would think, well, they're already dead. they not put, coming back. Put them in a coffin. Put them in a coffin. Put them six feet under. Put them six feet under. And they're alive. And they're alive. I guess in one case, the guy dug himself out, amazingly enough. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, was he unhappy. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but to forestall this in the future, they would take the deceased and put a string in their hands and have the string go straight up through the coffin and the earth. 
and be attached to a bell. So in case they accidentally did that again, you could ring the bell and people would come a running <laughs> to the cemetery, <laughs> to the cemetery and pull you out of the ground and yay, you are saved. Now, what they tended to forget is that if you actually were dead... Is this the part where, where we should give a uh, culinary advisory to the people who... <laughs> ghoulish spoiler warning. Yes, ghoulish uh, stuff. Okay. Uh, hung- Hungarian ghoulish. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, essentially, if people were, in fact, deceased, um, well, they would just kind of fade away with the string attached to their hands, and then they would pull the bell, and even though it's been months... Wait, see, the, their body would um, um, become um, other become, things. Uh, would yes, other evolve. things. It would evolve into some other form. Yes. Because they, bodies in the ground do that. This yes. is very tasteful, it goes so back, to speak. goes back to the earth. This is the one time of the year we can talk about these things, and nobody can give us a problem. Right. Uh, so at any rate, they would pull the string and the, the bell the, would the, ring. Uh, the hand would come down. Yes. The hand would come down while the body was... Like that. Yeah, and then the, the bell that would ring. Sound effects. Um, and the bell good. would ring and people would come running. And uh, even though it's been, well, quite a while... Since they've been in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> since they've been in the ground, they'd dig, it up, dig him up and... Oh, wait, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and not looking so good. And not looking so good, so that went away. Uh, but there were small cemeteries where there were more of more than one of those. So one can only imagine a carillon of the not deceased <laughs> ringing their bells underground. This is the night of the not dead, this right? Is, yes, the carillon of the living dead, the Giorgio Romero right. film in the 19th century. And the follow-up being the night of the not yet dead, but getting there pretty quickly. <laughs> the night of the really bored. Yes. <laughs> and slightly... Uh, Agoraphobic? Is that no? That's that's large spaces. Well, no, no, claustrophobic. No, no, that's small, cla- yeah. Claustrophobic, yes. Agoraphobic uh, and claustrophobic, yes. A coffin would do that. So, yeah. For those of us who've seen, uh, not to be a spoiler, who've seen Kill Bill, you know. Oh. Uma Thurman gets her way out, in that out of a coffin mm. through brute force. Mm. Did she have a, a coffin bell that allowed her to do that, or did she no. have a cell phone? Or? Well, no. In that case, that was deliberate. Oh, okay. That was not an accident. Okay. <laughs> so she didn't accidentally die. It was just, it, yeah. Some nasty person threw nasty. her in a coffin in the ground. Wow. Yes. Well, that makes me want to hear some screaming Jay Hawkins. Go for it. Okay. It goes something like this. Down in the valley on the foggy hill rocks with a crazy little demon blowing his top. Fire in his eyes and smoke from his head. You gotta be real cool to hear the words he said. He did a On his mind, cause my demon let him go. Going around through the world till he understand his pain. Somebody help him get his demon home again. He did a
she finally got across to the crazy little demon that a woman still the boss. Down in the valley on the foggy hill rock, you can still hear the demon blowing his top. Afternoon, he even made leap years jump over the moon. He took the 4th of July and he put it in May. He took this morning, bought back yesterday. He did a Well, I must say, I'm terribly offended by that record. Why am I offended? Because it's unpatriotic. He took it's the got fourth... me ready for the holiday, though, really. It yeah, does. I think I'm, I'm set, yeah. <laughs> he took the 4th of July and put it back in May. What does that mean? I don't know. What's that supposed to mean? What kind of an American was he? Uh, a screaming American? A screaming Jay Hawkins American. <laughs> yes, that was. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and uh, we're talking about Halloween and delicious food. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Now, earlier, I will mention again, there is an event at the Ann Arbor District Library. They're debuting Ann Arbor Cooks, which is a digital source of information on... They've digitized cookbooks from Ann Arbor from the 19th and 20th centuries. No. Oh, you're you're making gestures? No. No, I'm not me. Not me. Nope, no gestures here. Well, look at this one. This is a listeners, <laughs> you like this gesture? This is yeah, this is the most Exit ex- stage left. This is the most exciting part of the show. This is the gesture portion of the show. Having said that though, yeah, so the Ann Arbor District Library at seven, an event with the Brass Sisters from New England talking about heirloom recipes. Not the kind of thing we were just talking about, such as dead people. Good stuff. Well, one uh, thing I've always loved is that uh, Every time Ben Franklin needed money, he would write a like a dirty drink book. Really? Yes. So he would take drinks that were circulating around, and people always came up to him with recipes. It's, he's, he's more like a comedian than a, a bartender, but these recipes would be things like strip and go naked. That would be the name of the drink? That would be the name of Whoa, the drink. Can we say that on the air? <laughs> can Ben Franklin say that on the air? <laughs> and I love the fact that you know he would do this purely for the money. Oh, I'm a little short on cash. Time to write some you know, drink re- recipe books. And so yes. we still have those today. Wow. So you can look at Ben Franklin's uh, names of drinks that are suggestive. Um, well, that's the one I know the best, but he had a whole bunch of other ones, which were basically all derived from fruit more than grain. Oh, okay. So hmm. apples, berries, um, any kind of fruit that you can make alcoholic as quickly as possible, he was in favor of it. Well, I'm in favor of that, too. You know, I think he was a great American statesman. For yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, speaking of fruits, uh, pumpkins, we do need to talk about pumpkins, because uh, Halloween is coming up. Pro forma. Yeah, you can say that again. But uh, ExtremePumpkins.com <laughs> has gotten my attention. Open up ExtremePumpkins.com, and you see a rather terrifying flaming pumpkin with flames up higher, at a height higher than the pumpkin itself. I mean, man, they should have like a tiki face on that pumpkin, you know? They, they can have a whole, ha- whole restaurant. They do have a tiki face pumpkin. In no fact, way. They do. On this website for extremepumpkins.com, you have, they, I can't see it right now, but they have conjoined twins pumpkins. <laughs> you have, uh, you know, the kerosene soaked toilet paper method for setting pumpkins on fire. We're not actually endorsing this, but they do have a video for that. And they learned it from the Boy Scouts, so it is pretty darn wholesome. Maybe they should have like the hall of pumpkin headed presidents, like every president on a pumpkin. Wow. I would pay to see that. I, I would. I claim dibs on the Millard Fillmore pumpkin. The Millard Fillmore pumpkin. That, <laughs> that's exciting. 
I go for the Warren G. Harding myself. Oh, that one's already drunk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and speaking of drunk, no, we've already And done from it. Ohio. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, man. Well, Getting ready uh, for the end of November, you know. Wait, we're dealing with a brown jug, though, this weekend, right? The, oh, yes, that's right. Well, I wonder what's in the brown jug. I Does don't anyone know. ever say? No. I know. Well, with, let's put something in it. That's uh, Michigan versus Winnebago or something? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Where to... Yeah, it's uh, some place where they eat poutine, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of which, though, not particularly, ExtremePumpkins.com has examples of contest winners from 2006. We have this lovely pumpkin. We have the Barbie Eater pumpkin. We have carved brains, a carved brains pumpkin, the Dia de los Muertos pumpkin. <laughs> speaking of which, that is Day of the Dead, which is coming up. On November 1st, and I'm going to try to do something about that next week. We have the Flaming Sick Guy Pumpkin, the Giant Squid Pumpkin, and lots of other stuff. Strange design using doll parts. I don't want to go on about that one. That's kind of scary. Uh, the giant, The Giant Tiki Pumpkin is, in fact, on the website at ExtremePumpkins.com. And what big teeth it has. That is awesome. So go to ExtremePumpkins.com and you can see... Everybody in your neighborhood would want that pumpkin. The Extreme Tiki Pumpkin. That the little is. kids would be terrified. <laughs> and speaking of kids being terrified, there's some advice from ExtremePumpkins.com on scaring children. Uh, <laughs> the guy who did this website just basically got into a trash can and, and used his head as the lid and just crouched down. And then kids never expected to just jump and go, blah, and the kids would go crazy. So a few things. Kids don't want to be half scared. After scaring the pants off of about 20 kids from 10 to 12 years old, a group of eight-year-olds came up. They were right in front of me, but I didn't have the heart to scare them too much. I stood and stood up and gave them a half-hearted boo. I will never forget the look on the kid's face. I will describe it as bored slash annoyed. He just looked at me and said, you're not scary. You're a trash can. That's the best thing about kids. They really believe the axiom of going big or staying home. That's right. Another one, the more heartily you scare one group of kids, the more likely they will be to wait on the next door neighbor's lawn to see if you scare the next group. <laughs> well... Yes. Because they'll lord it over them. You yes. Know, that's how kids are. Kids that are all wired up on candy have no memory. You can scare them, then cross the street and scare them when they come to your neighbor's yard. Uh, any of us wired up on candy. Oh, what's the question? Uh, what? <laughs> I, I um, scared? What? Uh, he says he scared about 90 kids. Only one cried, a small child in her mother's laughing arms, and one fell over backward. Doesn't it make you wonder if Smashing Pumpkins have to do something special on Halloween? Yeah, I think at this point, you know. You know, it's it's clear. It's clear. But if you go to ExtremePumpkins.com, some ideas on that. Now, I also want to mention that this is totally different. I think maybe looking at the pumpkin with a flaming a flaming flame coming out of its top is really I, frightening. It's like the s'mores pumpkin. Mm. On fire? Yeah. Well, flaming s'mores. You make the s'mores over the pumpkin. Wow. That's an idea. With like candied yams. Mm. Well, speaking of fire, though, the Firefly Club, the Jazz Club, and the Blues Club in Ann Arbor. <laughs> First rule of Firefly Club is uh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, when you're eating candy, you don't remember to. Um, right now, I don't remember. But uh, Firefly Club has now moved to uh, 637 South Main Street, and they have just got. They say their prohibition era is over. Oh, my we were goodness. We're talking about prohibition. They now have their liquor license successfully transferred. So spirits are flowing once again at the Firefly Club at 637 South Main Street. It's good not to have to carry a Thompson to get a drink. A Thompson? Yeah. Thompson. What's a Thompson? Oh, it's a Prohibition era um, machine gun. Machine gun, weapon of choice, yes. Oh, yes, okay. Known as a trench sweeper. 
trench sweat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. Spooky. Ooh, gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but that's part of Halloween, too. That is part of Yeah, it is. <laughs> in and, Chicago, in particular. Yes, that's right. In the 30s, I think. <laughs> oh, we got to go right to uh, this. We were talking about the Governor Grant Home press conference. We're going to go and hear a snippet from that right now, just real quick here. This is some of the budget negotiations going on right now. This is the stuff we can put on the air. That's right. Yeah, the rest of it is purely behind closed doors. That's that's the ghost of John Engler peeking in on the uh, negotiations here. We've been trying to solve the budget crisis by channeling Vincent Price, who would help us. Yeah, I think he would be a good legislator. And whoa, I think that's the Republican majority leader right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the reaction to his budget. That's right. A rain is falling on the state of Michigan. They did the monster cash. Oh, that's the Governor Granholm right there. <laughs> it was a budgetary smash. They taxed the monster cash. <laughs> Governor Granholm again. That's me. That's Oh, that's you. Sorry. <laughs> My wallet. <laughs> I think that's it from the, uh, the press conference. Well, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox, and it's uh, just about 7 o'clock time to face the music. We're going to get right on that. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thank you, Ron, for stopping by. Anytime, baby. And we're going to just go out with Mrs. Miller, if we may. And this is called The Roach. This is really scary. Look out. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and it goes a little something like this. While cleaning up my cupboard to see what I could find I lifted every dimitas and dusted its behind I placed each cup and saucer for open and display When all at once I spotted it a roach To my dismay Right there inside the cupboard for all the world to see And how it looked to get there now it's really beyond me I keep my house so spotless with each thing in its place. I'll never understand it now, a roach. Disgrace. Why even at a party, cocktail, tea, or lunch? I serve my high society, oh, just as well as sponge. And should they ever know just my household chores were shrugged, they'd hate to me forever just to learn. My place was bugged. Show my friends and neighbors I care to have the best I'll fumigate that little roach To please my guests Show my friends and they
Boy, it sure is nice to hear Mrs. Miller. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. It's a couple minutes past seven. Wow, thanks, Mike. Also, really nice that your show ended with a roach. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't know if that was a 